inspiration and motivation to start or grow your own successful real estate investing business. And today we are going to talk about a strategy that uh, is probably a, a little bit lesser known. It's not that it's not that you don't know folks who are out there doing it. It's that uh, I don't know. It seems like ugly houses and distressed houses are a big deal right now when there's this whole other category of houses that are attractive, good smelling, good neighborhoods, properties that you'd actually probably be very happy to live in. And um, under certain circumstances, they can make good investments to discuss some of the uh, specifics of that with me, I have Wendy Patton, who is uh, the sort of the princess of pretty properties. She bought her first investment property at the age of 21 after um, discovering that her really great corporate America uh, corporate American dream job was not actually going to get her where she wanted to go. <laughs> so she got involved in um, real estate investing and uh, ultimately quit that, quote, dream job and uh, has now been investing in real estate for a period of time that I will not mention since I just said she started at 21. And now if I say, well, it's been X years, then, you know, we just don't tell ladies ages here on real life real estate investing. But it's been several decades at this point. Uh, we're going to talk today about two of the key strategies for acquiring those properties at uh, price and terms that can make you money, lease options and subject twos. She is joining us from her home in Michigan. Wendy, welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Well, thanks, Vina. I'm sitting here chuckling about the H thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've gotten a little sensitive Funny. to that myself. I, you know, if I even told if I even told people how long you and I have known each other, that would be yeah. like a huge clue that <laughs> we're we're no longer in our twenties, yeah, um, which I think we were when we met. So it's been yeah, we probably were. <laughs> it's been quite quite a quite a long time, and the and the real yeah. estate market has changed um, several times uh, since both you and I started out in it um, a while ago. And, uh, you know, you went you went uh, very early on in a direction that I think appeals to a lot of folks once they understand that it's a possibility, which is a lot of the houses you buy are like move up type, you know, good neighborhoods, good school systems, don't are not full of mold <laughs> you know they 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 actually like look really good when you walk into them and i i think that a lot of folks have a hard time getting their their brain around how do you how do you buy a house like that in a way where you can actually make any money i mean those are expensive houses right i mean you might think that some of the homes that i do buy would be expensive and they are you know first time maybe even second time a home buyer properties versus our typical, which I do love also, by the way, uh, our rentals in the low end, uh, those are awesome as well. But there's definitely a huge opportunity in those pretty houses. Definitely. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And most of that opportunity really involves how you buy them. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest here. If the home is 
beautiful and it doesn't need much, if anything. And the homeowner's not behind. They're not desperate to sell. They got to be motivated, okay? But they they may not be that same desperate um, situation that we might find, you know, in some of the other homes that need a lot of work. But yet they do want to move on. There can be several ways that you can structure those to make those still be a very profitable investment property. And, you know, they come along with a lot of the other benefits, too, of having the pretty houses, right? You have, you know, higher in tenants. You have, um, if you're going to rent them out, um, you have, you know, a lot less work that you got to deal with. They're, they're, it's just a very different, it's a different, very different kind of tenant, I, I would say, mm-hmm. you know, or buy, even buyer, even in buyer. Mm-hmm. And one of the, one of the real uh, keys to understanding that business is that mm-hmm. um, you often you're often paying pretty close to full price for you, the you could you could play close to retail market uh, you know depending on, on how you structure the deal I could pay you know for a home that's worth two hundred thousand I literally could structure a deal with a seller where it's two hundred thousand I mean typically that's not what I to say, yeah, that's what I think is a great idea. But if everything else falls into place, like all of the terms that you're going to negotiate with that seller, you know, with a lease option or even a sub two, depending on what's going on there, is that that you might be willing to pay $200,000 for that home because price is only going to be one part of that equation, right? Whereas when we pay cash for, you know, a property that we're going to rehab or we're going to wholesale, there is nothing else. It's pretty much price right yeah, know, price, I mean, is, price is what it's all about <laughs> yeah yeah it's you know am i going to get it cheap enough or not you know because of what it needs to have well in a in a higher end home or when you're doing a lease option or a subject to the terms are going to be a, you know kind of a, a package deal you're looking at a lot of things so price is just one of those terms that you're going to be negotiating mm-hmm. you know in a lease option you're going to be looking at also how much you're going to be paying in the lease rate per month what are you going to be, you know, leasing that with an option to buy for? How many years do you have, mm-hmm. you know, on that deal? How many, how much of that rental amount or lease amount that you're paying is going to go towards the $200,000 price or whatever price you negotiated? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of those types of, you're going to look at all of that. So, for instance, if I buy a $200,000 home for 200000 which I normally, that's not necessarily my goal unless everything else is right. And yet I can option that from the owner for a thousand dollars a month and in my market that would rent for fifteen to seventeen hundred. You know, there's right there just all of a sudden ding ding ding, right? You know, you've got five to seven hundred bucks a month cash flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really hard to do that on your own rentals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ones that you actually own, even when you own them free and clear, it's harder to get that kind of cash flow. So you you would take that Plus, if you take that $1,000 a month and let's say a portion or all of it was what we call option credits, those being applied to that purchase price, now what you owe on the 200 is going to be reducing every single month by what you negotiate. So if I, if, you know, of course, just to make it simple, let's say I get all $1,000. Well, then after one month, I'm going to owe 199 then 198 197 196 So even though I paid full price, my equity buildup in that property is going to happen very quickly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the seller might get their price. 
I got my terms. Now, of course, all sellers aren't going to go for, you know, a thousand bucks credit and they maybe not go for a thousand dollars a month. But again, that's just the idea of there's more than just one thing involved there that you're negotiating. Right. And there's and there's one other thing, because, you know, right now we're just kind of talking generally about the pretty house business. Yeah. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about like, when do you do a lease option? When do you do a subject to when do you, which, which right. is something we haven't actually tackled here on the show before. So I'm excited about it. But um, the other thing that, that folks need to need to realize and understand, even, you know, even though we're not going to like get deeply into it in this particular program is that the kind of financing that you are doing on these houses is no qualifying financing. And it is it is often yeah. very low money up front. Yeah. So I think sometimes people say, well, if I'm buying a $200,000 house, I got to put 40,000 down. And then I've yeah. got to, you know, I've yeah. got to have a great credit score. And I've got to, and that's just, that's, that's, that's very conventional thinking. But that's right. not really how the pretty house works out in the real world. The pretty pretty house business works in uh, a more creative way that that happens to work for both the investor and the seller um, mm-hmm. in, in that particular situation. So, uh, just just as you know, sort of an introduction. That's uh, you know some some stuff that you should know about the pretty house business. When we come back, we're going to try and straighten out this thing about. When is the best time to ba- to buy on a lease option? When is the best time to buy subject to the existing loan? And are there even other options with pretty houses? I also want to invite listeners to call in with any questions at 877-772-9658, 877-772-9658. Or if you'd like to send an email, send it to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to Wendy Patton, who is, uh, she, she actually is a lot, like, like most people who've been in the real estate business for years and years, she does a lot of different things. She buys cheap rentals, she a little bit of wholesaling, but what she's best known for, because she's written several books on the topic, uh, is lease options, pretty properties, buying subject to the existing loan. You can check out any of those books on Amazon.com if you actually decide to order one. How about doing it through WMKVFM.org? If you go to that site first, there's an Amazon button up in the corner. And if you click that and... Um, Go ahead and make your order. It's not going to cost you any more, but the station gets a teeny tiny little bit of that money, and you'll get a great book, and uh, the station will have a little bit of extra money for stuff that they need here. So, um, again, that's WMKVFM.org, and if you're looking up... God, there's several books, Wendy. How many do you have now? <laughs> I know there's the, the one called Rent to Own, and then... Uh, <laughs> Well, there's a couple of e-books, but my main books are, uh, there's four that are main books. Four. Four books. And but there's some other e-books. Four so, books um, and, a, and a single mother yeah. of twins and a busy real estate investing business and a brokerage. And um, up until a few years ago, when you kind of retired from being on the road, you were out speaking too. You're, yeah. How many hours a night do you sleep? Are you like one of these five? I sleep, Fina. I do. <laughs> That's one thing I do not give up is food and sleep. <laughs> So, but uh, but I do sleep. I just I, I've worked a lot, and you know it. You know I I think that is kind of important to say is you know even though 
you know, this strategy is a way to get into properties without using any money or any credit. Of course, you know, being a successful real estate investor, it does take work, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I think sometimes people simplify it so much and make it sound like, gosh, you know, you don't have to do anything ever, you know, and you're just going to make a million dollars selling, you know, or buying and selling real estate. But it just happens to pay a lot of money, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But you do have to do stuff for it, don't you? Yeah, that's that's the the, the comparison I always make. You know, because it's actually it's actually like a bad thing to say it to to a group of real estate investor wannabes. You guys are going to have to work because what they, what they want to hear is what they want to hear is no, no, no. Just buy my program, and yeah. it'll basically do it all for you. And there's exactly. people there's people out there willing to say <laughs> that. And I when I always I, I always give folks the advice in in you know kind of budgeting for their real estate education. If someone tells you it is done for you, right, run. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, and there's a lot of things you can have done for you, right? Uh, for the most part, though, I you know I always just say you know I left my corporate job and I made decent money, but I left it because. Gosh, any one of my flips sometimes have been more than that for the whole year, mm-hmm. or a couple of deals can over, you know, or over my salary for that year. I remember, well, when I first started, I didn't make as much as when I left, but you know, I only made ten bucks an hour, but so it was twenty grand a year. And I remember my first couple of deals; they were more than twenty each, and I thought okay, I'm sure this isn't really real. I mean, come on, how could you do a deal and make more than your salary, you know? <laughs> and of course, then it's, you know, it's gone up from there, but it it, uh, it, it does pay very, very well. And I absolutely am blessed to be in this business. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it's, not that, it's not that there's no work. It's that you can't find a job that pays you as much per hour Right. As being a good, as no. being a skilled real estate entrepreneur. No, because I make more, you know, we make more than surgeons and attorneys and all of that. When you really get into this and make it a, a full-time thing, it's, you know, you can do mm-hmm. very, very, very well. Mm-hmm. So, All right. So, so let's, um, let's uh, tr- turn the topic a little bit away from just the general idea of pretty houses and talk about the acquisition strategies in terms of sort of some some pros and cons because there's two there's two big things that you hear about how to buy pretty houses one is don't buy it lease it with an option to buy and the other one Mm -hmm. is go ahead and buy it but do it by taking over the the loan of the person who Mm -hmm. is moving out and doesn't want the house anymore and that's called a subject too so um, first, just just kind of briefly, can you can you talk about how how a lease option when you're buying a property works? Yeah. So basically, when you find a property uh, and, and you don't want to pay cash or get a mortgage, an option allows you to pay a monthly rental amount like you're leasing it, but you're not going to live there. Uh, leasing it, and then you you tie in with a contract the right or the option to purchase it for, you know, a given amount within a given time period. Mm-hmm. So that that basically is what a lease option would be. I mean, it's very, it's in that real simple terms, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. And then with a the subject two, can I say that one too now? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so a subject two is going to be more where you would find a property uh, that the seller has a mortgage on it. And a lease option, by the way, could be free and clear, or they might have a mortgage just, neither one really matters too, too much. Um, and then, but, a, but on the subject too, a seller has an underlying mortgage or, or a mortgage on that property. And 
you they would actually deed that property to you, so you actually own that property versus in an option you have the right to buy it and own it. Uh, on a subject two, they would actually deed that property to to you, and you start making their mortgage payments, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. And you do right? own it. You do own it, even though the loan's not in your name. Exactly. It's so your you're house. Over the the loan, although the liability of the loan is not in your name. Now, I always say, don't take it if you can't make it. I mean, that payment. It, it, it is my liability for me as an investor. I take that as liability, but it's not on my credit report. I don't have to qualify to take that on. I just have to make those payments on behalf of the seller. Mm-hmm. It still stays, I mean, the old owner, okay? It still stays in their name, that mortgage, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're, t- they're, they're different but similar in that you do not need money or credit to get into them. I mean, there are cases, there are times when, I've had the seller pay me to take their deed. Maybe they owed too much, and they might actually write me a check to kind of take over that mortgage balance for them that might be a little higher than I would normally want or agree to accept on that property, and sometimes they might actually pay you to take it on. But very rarely, uh, very rarely have I given them money to take it over. Now, sometimes if they have a lot of equity, yeah, I might flip them something. I did have one. Um, that was, you know, like $10,000 to the seller one time where I didn't actually even write them a check for 10. I just put a mortgage on the property, a second mortgage for the seller that when I sold the property, they would get paid 10 grand out of the closing proceeds of my proceeds. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to come up with the cash. So the, the cool thing about both strategies are it's totally flexible, right? You can You can negotiate and structure almost anything you like. That's why I love those. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm sure you love that stuff, too, because you like that creative coming up with something unique to make a deal work, right? Yes, yes. I, I, that's my actually my favorite part of the real estate business. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. the one where you actually get to kind of use your brain and yeah. listen, listen to what the seller's saying and say, well, you know, I don't know if you've considered this, but what if we did it this way? And you Yeah. Know, the creative worked. stuff to me is, is the most fun because... You know, the other stuff is it's very, you know, it's very important and it pays well also. However, the creative stuff is what you really like. Wow, no one could put that together. And I just made this really cool thing happen or, or gosh, it didn't sound like this was going to come together. And, you know, by structuring it this way, we made it profitable and the seller's happy and I'm happy. Mm-hmm. And that that's really what I'm always looking for is that that win-win deal with those with the seller and myself. What works for them? And how is it going to work for me? Because just because the seller's willing to give me the deed doesn't mean it's a good deal, right? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of investors miss that point. They think, well, the seller was willing to do a lease option with me, Wendy, or seller gave me the deed. Well, okay, but if all if those other terms weren't good for you, it's still not a good deal. Yeah, they I mean, it's, they gave you the deed and gave you a fifteen hundred dollar month payment that you were responsible for on a house that would only rent for twelve hundred dollars a month. That's you the got piece it. you missed. You, you got it. And some people take that as well. Okay, so it'll you know, so it's a little negative. No, no, you don't you you don't want to take on something that's going to to sink you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the only time I would ever take on a payment that was more than what the rent is, the only time is if there was so much equity in it and maybe it was, you know, a short term till that mortgage was paid off or there was some other, re- again, it's, there's got to be some other reason that I would do that. I certainly wouldn't do it just because 
the seller was willing to do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sellers will, of course, I'll give you your headache. Here, take my, <laughs> you know, especially during the short sales days, you know, they always owed more. Oh, yeah, here, I'll give you my deed. I could have got a million deeds. Uh-huh. <laughs> you can make my mortgage payment, I'll give it to you. <laughs> and that is, that is such, such, such an important point for anybody who's uh, kind of studying the creative finance field. The first thing that you have to, you have to kind of like let sink in Mm-hmm. is that n- not every creative deal is a good deal. Right. It, 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 in fact, I mean, just because there's no money down, just because you didn't qualify for it, does not mean right. it's going to make money. And and if it's not a good deal for you, you should not do it because it's going to turn out not to be a good deal for your seller. Whatever whatever right. your intention was about how you were going to keep up with that payment anyway, you're going to end up defaulting. That's going to hurt the seller. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt your buyer if you've got a buyer in the property. So yeah, just be a big mess. Yeah, just it will it will be a big mess. So yeah, um, very 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 good first lesson. Um, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we will answer some listener questions that have come in uh, via our email at askvina at gmail dot com. Uh, we'll also take any listener questions uh, by phone at eight seven 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 two nine six five eight. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Wendy Patton, and we are talking about um, it's sort of the creative finance, pretty properties business. And um, uh, Wendy, let's 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 get let's get down to the to the big question of the day, which is <sighs> lease options and subject twos look a lot alike. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's in some ways, yes. Yeah, there's a monthly payment. There's no qualifying. Yep. You kind of do them on the same properties. A lot of times, right. your exit strategy is the same, which is to, you know, you lease it with to someone else with an option to buy at a higher price, and that's how you get your right. profit. Why would you ever choose not to get the deed if you if you given given the same property? And I know how to do lease options, and I know how to do subject twos. Why would you choose to do a lease option? Well, that's a great question. To me, I look at each deal individually, Vina, and when I'm optioning the property, I'm not obligated to make that mortgage payment. Now, granted, even on a subject two, I'm not legally obligated. I didn't sign on that mortgage, but I am definitely ethically obligated to make that payment. And it, it doesn't have the same out as a lease option. So for me, when I do a lease option, I, I may not buy it. I'm, if I'm not 100% sure I want to buy that or, or 90% sure, um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably try to do a lease option on it if I can. Now, sometimes the seller would like me to buy it, which would mean more like a subject to, they want to feel like it's more final and that I don't have the right to wiggle out of it or to get out of it. So sometimes it's the seller who might push me into a subject to, or uh, when I do a subject two, I always want to get the deed if uh, the seller is in financial trouble or there's some kind of weird, you know, they, there could be liens or judgments or things like that on that property. I'd want to get it out of their name. Although there's ways around that too. You know, you don't always have to do that. You can, you know, move it as well out of their name anyways. But um, that that's one of the reasons. And the only time I would want to do a subject two also is, if those mortgage terms are really good and I want to own that property for sure. Mm-hmm. So I'm, cause you know, when you're taking over that deed, you're taking over that mortgage. 
if the if the mortgage interest rate is maybe too high or the payment might be too high, I might not want to assume that. I might rather do a lease option and pay the seller a certain amount each month, have them pay the difference in that payment. If that, let's say, right, I mean, right now I'd love to get uh, some of these, these subject twos. I'm, I'm actually trying to, maybe you know, Vina, I'd love to find some that had loan mods on them. Mm-hmm. You know, where they've got, you know, 1%, 2%, 0% interest rate for 10 more years or whatever they, they fixed in there with those loan mods. I would love to find some of those. Now, that doesn't mean that this, the lender might it's not at some point call those due, but those cash flow positions would be really, really great. So anytime you've got great mortgage terms, I get the deed. I had one that I did fairly recent where it was an estate. Um, they only had seven years left on the mortgage, and I took over the mortgage payment. To me, I, I love doing those because there's a huge amount of equity going towards the payment each month. They're going to be free and clear in a fairly short time period. Um, I guess I look at the whole thing. What are the mortgage terms? What would the lease option be? Mm-hmm. What would you do on a difference? Like what what are your distinguishing differences well, when you do one or the other? I'll tell you. It's 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 kind the times that I do lease options are the times mm-hmm. when I am more doing the deal because I'm trying to help the seller out. Yeah. <laughs> then Yeah, okay. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because sometimes, sometimes you see these these deals where the seller is really got a problem. You know, my yeah. my my most recent one was um, this lady had gotten married, and her husband had a house, and she had this beautiful, very small house. I mean, it, it was it was tiny. It was like seven hundred thirty two square feet. So not a not a super marketable right. property. But she she um, had kept it immaculately clean and maintained. Wow. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, her mortgage was like seventy nine thousand dollars, and the house was worth like seventy two thousand dollars. Okay, so, so I'm not, yeah. there you go. Right? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna commit to 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 paying for twenty eight years when I am literally overpaying for the property and where my right. spread is supposed to be in the difference between what I can buy it for and what I can sell it for. Even you know, even though I might not sell it for you know five or six years. So what I told her was, you know, this is not your ideal solution. Mm-hmm. I know you'd like to sell it for cash, but I think you've explored that option with agents for long enough to know that you're going to have right. to pay $10,000 to sell your house if if you do. And your second best, uh, your, you know, your second favorite option would be that I would become responsible for your mortgage, but you know, I don't know how to put this nicely, but I can't really make your problem my problem. Now, what I am right. willing to do <laughs> is I am willing to sign a lease with you for five years that says I will make payments that are the same as your mortgage payment. Because the good thing was her, her loan was like a 4.25% loan or something. So her payment yeah. was, you know, her payment was, say, 600 a month PITI, principal interest tax and insurance, and I could rent that house for 895 Okay. So yeah. So so, so I good said, cash flow. right. What I am willing to do is I'm willing to to sign a lease with you that says I will be your tenant for the next five years, and that I can buy the house at any time at whatever your mortgage balance is at the time that I agree to buy it. So similar in a way. I mean, you're basically your mortgage. The payoff is would be no. Right. So you kind of did a hybrid of the two in a way. Right. I like it. Right. And mm-hmm. I and I said yeah. I said I said, worst case scenario, what happens here is you kick the can down the road for five years. You you're right. And by then <laughs> hopefully the market value is higher and what you owe is gonna be less. Right. So 
Right. That so difference it, might be nothing yeah. or it might be well, you know, it might go the other way. It might flip the other way. The, the 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 important thing is even even if I decide not to buy it, right? You are probably better off for having not made payments for five years. Mm-hmm. And I even explained, and I'm sure you do all this too. I even yes. explained your what I'm going to do with this house. Is I'm going to rent it. You could rent it yourself, right? Because I'm going to rent it for more money right. than your than your uh, right. payment is. You could rent it yourself, but if you do that, I would strongly, strongly recommend that you get a property manager because most people who are not experienced at this get fooled by bad applicants right yeah. and and yeah. and and you know a tenant a really bad tenant can do $5000 worth of damage to your house in 3 months and she's like oh no 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 i don't want to rent it myself so right. it was it was just it was just a situation where it was it was more along the lines of did i see a little profit in it yeah was there a, was there a chance that in 5 years the the spread would be big enough that i'd want to buy it yeah but it was really more it didn't hurt her it potentially helped her it wasn't her perfect solution but it was better than what was going right. on which was that she was making a payment on that house every month that she was having a hard time affording right and that's perfect for her like she just kind of has no liability right now during this time now do you have the right to get out before the end of the five years or yeah. is it a committed five years yeah it's it, it's a lease right so i mean I, at any time i can give her 30 days notice and and Got break it. it but you know okay. that, that's clearly so, not my intention yeah. but yes that is a that is a possibility Right. And, and for everyone listening, too, I mean, obviously, it's not your intention because we, we never want to hurt any seller. We always want to do the right thing. and We want to live by our commitments. However, you do have the out. So if the world <laughs> started having issues and, you know, you know, rental rates went down to like 400 instead of where they are, I mean, which, mm-hmm. of course, it's, they've, they've gone up when the market has gone down mm-hmm. or been very strong, at least in my area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah, I like I like that. I think it's a great way to structure it perfect example of where you you may not want to actually take that deed yeah and i think sometimes folks who haven't done this mm-hmm. before have a hard time imagining a situation yeah in which they would not want to take the deed um right. but but you know other examples are things like um you're not sure which direction the neighborhood's headed you got it. Right. Big I see. Area. Yeah, I see. I see that maybe there's some new construction going on over here, but over here, the school system's not looking so good. And I'm not really sure what this thing's going to be worth five years from now. So am I willing to am I willing to option it and see and see right. what happens in five years? Yeah. Am I willing to say in five years, I'm still going to want to make your payments? Um, not so much. So um, right. yeah, what are some other examples of like, I wouldn't want the deed? Well, I'm thinking too. If it's like really, if it's far away, or you know, I don't know the area that well. I'm not. I'm unsure of the value. You know, there are areas where it's kind of rural or outside of my normal, and I just I just don't know it inside and out. Whereas in my areas that I typically invest in, I, I might have even owned one two doors down from there. You know, or I owned. I've I bought several houses multiple times over the years, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you probably have <laughs> ended up with some of the same ones too. You know, different you know years later or whatever and i think that's one of the times when i would not want to or if my property manager who i 100 percent trust and respect doesn't manage in that particular area and i'm going to put it at make it as a rental i would be more concerned about owning something in that in an area outside of that yes because it just wouldn't fit my normal mm-hmm. i might be more likely to option it and then try to flip it or or you know, uh, do a 
a wholesale flip option. I might do something like that, not even sandwich it and stay in it. That's when I, you know, I probably would not be interested in owning it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you another one that's, uh, th- this may be more of a, uh, a thing that's unique for me, to me. Um, I've noticed that when the mortgage is held by a really small bank, mm-hmm. like one of the, one of those banks that's like, you know, Myrtle sits in the back and actually yeah. hand stamps everybody's <laughs> yeah. payment book yep. when it comes in and they know yeah. every borrower and, you know, the borrowers often have to come in with a little booklet <laughs> every yeah. month with their payment. Yeah. I don't like taking over those mortgages because yeah. uh, that is the one time that I do get a call from the bank saying, what did you do? You know, you can't do that. That's it's against the law. Well, no, actually, it's not against the right. law. It's against your contract, but it's not against yeah. the law. But, you know, I don't I don't want that problem for me and right. I don't want it for my seller. So it make it a little more difficult. You're right, because they've got more of a microscope on it versus something from Bank of America or, you know, right. something that's huge, where and, they're just a payment center receiving those payments. Yeah, you're and, right. and sometimes you're Myrtle right. gets, like, deeply personally offended that yeah. you're you're paying Joe, you know, Joe Bob Sellers payment for him. Yeah. Like, what happened to Joe Bob? He never told us. He was, well, I'm sorry, that's between right. you and Joe Bob, you know. Yeah, that's a real, that's, that is a really good point. So that might be a little more difficult situation or more likely to be called due or to call some stress or you know, for either one, you or the seller. Yes, yes, exactly Mm -hmm. right. All right, so for real, when we come back from this break, we're going to deal with these questions that are piling up at askbina at gmail.com. For those of you who uh, haven't figured it out yet, that's A-S-K-V, like in Victor, E-N-A, at gmail.com. Also, if you have questions about buying pretty houses, uh, 877-772-9658 is the number to call. Uh, or again, you can send an email to askbina at gmail.com. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to my favorite pretty house expert, Wendy Patton, uh, about the decision-making process. You got a, you got a pretty house. You've got a seller that for whatever reason, um, it typically can't sell conventionally. Um, and this is, that's, that's why we're even talking terms with them. Oftentimes it's because they owe too much. Um, and owing too much, by the way, doesn't mean you owe 110% of what your house is worth. If you're trying to sell conventionally, if you owe 92% of what your house is worth, you're going to pay to sell it. By the time you've paid the realtor and the transfer taxes and the deed preparation and some points for the buyer and all that kind of stuff, you're going to pay to sell it. And not everybody can pay to sell their houses. So that's that's a that's a you know typical situation. Um, so we're talking about you got a you got a got a seller who's willing to talk about this. How do you as the investor make the decision between a subject to deal, a lease option deal, or uh, maybe something else? Because uh, one of the questions that that came in via the email address at askvina at gmail.com is from Sarah and she said, Wendy, what do you do in the rare case where the seller actually doesn't owe anything? It doesn't seem right to do a lease option and you can't do a subject to. Well, you sure could. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll do it. Subject to your zero balance loan. I love that one. Tell me when you find that one. yeah, you know, it it certainly would be fine to do a lease option. It'd be great to do a lease option on that one. 
Or you could even do, you know, you and if you're in Ohio, you know, you have what well, we have, our land contracts. I I love those as well, by the way. We just didn't talk about that. But um, you certainly could do seller financing or lease option where you're going to make them a monthly payment and you're going to option it for a certain price within a given time period. It's exactly as if they did have a mortgage. I prefer they don't have a mortgage, which means they're financially more solid than the seller who does. They've got equity. They've got an ability to give me some of that equity. For instance, they're more likely to let me have that $1,000 a month payment or whatever we negotiate to be credited to the balance because they don't owe anything, right? If they owe 200 and I'm going to option it for 200 there's nowhere for me to go. That's an example where I actually would not do an option probably because there's nothing for me to get from that, right? I'm not going to be building up any equity on that, mm-hmm. that deal, uh, because if I try to give them to give me a thousand dollars a month credit, they can't. They're going to be upside down right away. So that that that's a case where I would not do that. Mm-hmm. Um, does that answer that question? Do you think? Yeah. No. I think it, I think you know? it does. There's you know there's you can still get the deed. Just make the payments to the seller instead of the seller's bank. That's the <laughs> that's the bottom yeah. line. Um, okay. We have a question here from Cliff who says. If you knew that a seller was going to declare bankruptcy, but it had not happened yet, would you do a lease option, a subject to, or not touch that one? Mm, I probably I wouldn't do either one. I don't think I would do either one unless I got some legal advice, depending on their situation with how their bankruptcy was going was to happen. Mm-hmm. So did we lose Wendy? Yeah. Okay. No, you're here. Yeah, you're you're there. Actually, you 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 kind of faded out there for a minute. Oh, so you said you would yeah. you would not do it without getting some legal advice to see what was going to happen yeah. with the bankruptcy. Yeah, depending on the type of bankruptcy and all of that, and, and what it really meant to the property and how that would be affected by the property. Unless I was going to buy it outright before the bankruptcy was filed, or somehow worked with the trustee, I just you know, and I'm not an expert in bankruptcy stuff, so I would definitely have to get legal advice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whenever there's a federal federal legal action pending bef- with your you and your seller, you might want to talk to somebody who actually knows something about that before mm-hmm. you jump in. Because the bankruptcy court can unwind uh, deals if yeah. they if they think that it's been you know it happened too too soon before the bankruptcy, and it might look like right. it was an attempt to somehow defraud creditors, or uh, you know they can unwind deals. They can. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, of course, the bank can can go ahead and foreclose on the property once that once it's been released from the bankruptcy, even if you're still making payments. Now they don't typically do that, but they could. So, right? Yeah, that's. A, I, I'm glad you asked, Cliff. I'm glad you just didn't dive in and yeah, go. Oh, a, let me really let me point. let me go ahead and buy this house. Um, oh, yes. Okay. This question. This question is from uh, Shannon, who lives up in your uh, near you. She doesn't. She lives in the Grand Rapids area, so not not okay. not super close. She says, "I haven't seen Wendy in a while. What is she doing these days?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hi, Shannon. I haven't been to Grand Rapids lately because <laughs> I haven't spoken there for a long time. But- Come to my Michigan Real Estate Investors Group, and we'll see you there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like uh, you know for for a while there you were you were at lots of different conferences and lots of different groups, and I don't right. I don't think people really realize that you're kind of sticking close to home these days. Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm doing some other things. I'm definitely still doing investing, but more in the 
I'm actually doing a lot more in the traditional stuff with, you know, owning a brokerage and a title company and insurance. I'm starting up that this year. So just some different different aspects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love it all. I love it all. Although we are dragging you out of retirement later on in the <laughs> in the spring to to come to come to <laughs> an event <Fina>. down here. <laughs> you could yeah, come into is it going to be Columbus, I think? Yeah. Yeah, the wild wonderful women uh Right. Um, reunion. Um, right. Yeah, reu- the reunion tour. Yeah. Um, okay. So um, uh, let's see. I had another question here and I got so distracted by Shannon's question that I lost it in this big uh, giant in- inbox full of uh, of questions. So um, I will go back to the questions that I had for you until I can uh, actually find this thing. Uh, okay, Wendy. So Back to the to the lease option versus subject to um, a question mark. One of the things that I know you have talked about exhaustively, which I, I assume means that you you have to keep telling people over and over and over again so that they'll hear you, mm-hmm. is that when you, quote, buy a house on lease option, you're not actually buying it. And right. a, as a result any future action of the owner, because that's not you in a lease option, any future, I didn't pay my tax bills, any future, I didn't pay my child support, any future, um, I got in a car accident, got a big judgment against me, can actually affect you, Wendy, in terms of your ability to buy that property, even though they have signed an agreement that promises to sell it to you. Right. Yes, they're, they're kind of legal issues that would affect you buying that property or selling that property. Um, when you're buying that property, you would have, you may have to work with some of those issues if that happens. And that's why it's so important. I You can't prevent all of it, Vina, but I'm really careful about which sellers I'll buy from on an option because of that. So if they're financially stressed and having issues when you're buying – there's much more likely to be those issues down the road, right? Or against that property. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, of course, if they have it free and clear, it's a lot less likely. They've got some assets. They've got some, you know, they probably have assets in other areas as well. They're less likely to have financial issues. Does that mean they won't? No, but it's less likely. So I'm really looking for that seller who is not in financial trouble when I'm buying on an option. Mm-hmm. Now, on a subject two, uh, it, it can be a little bit different. Um, you know, they can have, sometimes they do have some issues when you take over, the, but getting them off that title is going to prevent a lot of it, a lot of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like you said, the bankruptcy thing could still throw a wrench in it slightly. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, mm-hmm. Very there are tr- some risk in them. I mean, these are some of the risk, right, of doing these beautiful, wonderful, creative things. They rarely ever happen to me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, out of doing hundreds and hundreds of them over the years, had a couple instances that I can remember. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it. That's mm-hmm. it. It's just very rare if you if you're really doing things properly in the beginning. Okay. Now, it's not to say the same thing with my buyers. My buyers, yeah, they're a whole different thing, you know. But sellers, very careful with. Yeah, and and when we only have about three minutes left in the show, and I just got a great question, and this is from okay. this is from John, who lives in Alexandria, Kentucky. He says, "I'm so glad that this show is on today. I bought a property subject to an existing loan about five years ago. 
it, within the last week, I got a notice from the bankruptcy court that my seller had declared bankruptcy. And here's my problem. I have a buyer in the property who is, is supposed to have another 18 months to buy it. Any clues about how I should handle this with the buyer? I would. Uh, hopefully your contract has some kind. I don't know if you actually sold it to him on a sub two or if you sold it to him on an option. Um, in my option agreements, I always have when I'm selling on an option and for any reason, I can't transfer clear title to them outside of my control. Uh, then they'll get their option fee back as full and complete liquidated damages. But at this point, I would say, John, get legal advice. You need to talk to someone. I know, you know, Vina and I both use uh, Legal Shield or whoever you have a or local attorney in your own backyard. Uh, there's someone probably in your area that's an attorney. Fi- or, or just find a bankruptcy attorney can kind of help you through that. Um, or talk to that a trustee and see what's going on with them. They may be happy that you're that you're selling it in the process that you're in. It just, you might need to communicate, but mm-hmm. I would say legal advice. Vina, what do you say? Yeah, legal advice before you open your mouth to that buyer. Got it. Because Good. if if the buyer, yeah. if, if he had sold it on um, uh, subject to, yeah. then he wouldn't yeah. have gotten the bankruptcy notice. That That's right. It must, have been, it must have been a lease option because he, yeah, he, he it, got the bankruptcy notice. Yeah. So before you go running to that buyer and go, well, you know, one of these 99 things could happen and you don't understand what those 99 things right. are, find out what is most likely to happen. I'm not saying keep them in the dark forever. I'm just saying right. you can make things a lot worse yep. <laughs> by walking in. Because obviously, they, you know, they, the longer you go knowing, then you have an issue. But once you know for sure how it might affect them, that's when you should communicate and communicate honestly. Yes, that's, that's exactly that's right. What I, I always believe full communication, sincere communication has kept me out of, I can't tell you how many potential lawsuits, you yeah. know, because people can sue for anything. And usually it's a lack of communication or miscommunication. Well, we are out of time. If you would like to read more about Wendy's um, analysis of when to buy on lease option or subject to, you can go to our website at regoddess.com, uh, regoddess.com to see a complete article. And we appreciate your time today, Wendy. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. <laughs> 